Welcome to In Between. In the last days, I did something which I wanted to do for a longer time, and that was going to San Javan. San Javan is a jungle, and it's really close to the university where I used to study in Delhi. And parts of the jungle are also in the university. That's why on the campus you find peacocks, porcupines, um, squirrels, and some kind of deers, which they call uh, nilgais, and all kinds of animals. So, And it's really a little bit of a jungle itself. And there's like the whole jungle also, which is called Zanjevan, and you can go there. And yeah, I've never been, but I heard it's really beautiful, so I always wanted to do that, and now I finally managed. So I went with one friend, and he took his guitar along, and uh, it looked pretty different than I expected, so it looked more like a park, like there were like some small ways to walk on, although there was jungle around, but there was also some grass, there was a lake with ducks and everything there different benches and people were just sitting or reading or doing exercise a workout and uh, and when we were there we were like uh, uh, sitting around and like uh, playing and my friend was playing the guitar drinking alcohol out of his small little bottle which he <laughs> hides in his shoes or whatever usually and uh, yeah just sitting and talking and it was really beautiful and it was really relaxing and then it was getting dark and we knew that at a certain time the park would be closed. But uh, somehow, so a lot of people left and we also saw some guards, but they didn't ask us to leave. So we kept sitting. But after a while we thought, oh, maybe somehow we got a little scared. We were like, why are they not asking us to leave? This seems kind of weird. Maybe that's dangerous. Who knows? Maybe we should be going. And eventually we left. And then... Uh, one guard like caught us on the way and he was like uh, and I was like oh god this is gonna be he's gonna give us some shit because uh, we have stayed too long or whatever but then he said like oh which instrument do you play and he was thinking that my friend plays some traditional Indian instrument but he was like no 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 it's a guitar and then um, he said like oh wow my brother plays the tabla so the plays the, tr the drums and like a kind of a drum and and we would love to jam with you. Are you guys coming back? And like really cute. Like they were amazed by his playing for some reason. And they that's why they let us stay. And that's again really like why I just love this country so much. Because it's like it's never what you expect. It's always a surprise what's going to happen. But it was beautiful, extremely peaceful. Kind of an oasis you wouldn't necessarily expect in uh, in a place like Delhi especially these days when you only read about the air pollution everywhere and you imagine it to be not green at all and that's why I kind of feel of giving a different picture although I don't want to dismiss the whole air pollution thing because it is really bad I see a lot more people wearing masks than before even though I haven't seen the worst part of it, so the worst part of it was right after Diwali, so the crackers, even though they're banned, but still, of course, people burst crackers, and that, that has a lot, like, adds to the pollution, and farmers burning their crops, because uh, getting rid of them in another way would be too expensive, or, like, they just wouldn't have the money for it, so they burn it, and that's also why the pollution gets a lot worse around this time of the year. 
And in the worst time, I wasn't there at all, so I don't feel like I can really say something about it. But I did find it scary when friends told me that they like look out of the window and usually like 10 meters away there's a house, but they couldn't see it anymore because the air was so dense and like so foggy because of, of all the pollution. That's pretty scary, I feel. Although I have to say that I think for some reason, and it makes no sense because right now the air pollution is really higher than it has been in years. Schools are being closed for a few days and so on. But somehow, personally, I feel it affected me a lot more in that in 2018 when I was living there. I was like uh, having to cough all the time, like had a cold all the time, which a lot of people have, which is because of the pollution. And this time I didn't have that at all. I, yeah, I used to have headaches because of the pollution. Even now I rarely had it. And one has to think that a lot of people in India don't leave their houses so much or they are much more used to of being inside the whole day. While for us, I feel in India, it's uh, in Switzerland, <laughs> see the confusion. It's a lot more, we have this idea of it's healthy to go out and have some fresh air and all of that, which are pictures which in India don't, do not really exist in the same way somehow. But that's why I cannot sit as much inside as my Indian friends. So I, I need to go out. And if you listen to my podcast, you see I'm always up and about in rickshaws. And I'm actually always, yeah, outside in that air. So I feel like I, which is not good. People keep telling me that. But uh, yeah, I should be feeling it. The only thing which I feel most of the time is like when I walk stairs, I feel like, oh, I have to breathe a lot harder than I would be breathing at home. And I think the reason for that in many ways is that, um, yeah, that somehow my body feels that this air is not really good. So I don't breathe that much, like I don't breathe in so much and then you kind of get used to it and then this sticks with you and it affects your stamina in some way, I feel. So that I'm definitely feeling. But still, I want to make the point that there are many places in Delhi which are green. And the other day I discovered like a similar beauty uh, when I was like walking around again in the city and um, I went to a market. So a market is just a square with different restaurants and shops and all. And I had to buy some things there. And then I wanted to go to another market, which is close by to get something else. But then I... I couldn't really explain it to the, uh, to the like rickshaw guy. So I just walked through the different societies in between and it was not so far. And uh, suddenly it like, yeah, I noticed again how beautiful Delhi can be or how enchanting it sometimes feel to me, feels to me. And I feel a lot of people probably won't be seeing this or not in that way, but for some reason I do. And especially when I was walking there in these, like, yeah, in these neighborhoods, and there are all these trees, like these old, huge trees, which probably belong to some jungle also in, in the old, in old times. And um, these beautiful trees, these sometimes colonial houses, some very modern new houses. And uh, Delhi has, and I think it is because of pollution and because it's just foggy, but I feel also because of pollution, the light is always very soft, very different than I know it from home. And at that time it was like about... Five in the evening, it was like the sun, the sun was slowly setting down and uh, 
the light was kind of red and soft and beautiful and like everything looked so enchanting and beautiful and like kind of yeah just enchanted and I again realized oh how much I love this city like there is this particular feel to it which I just find so beautiful especially because there are so many layers you can see old architecture you can see things from so many epochs you can and it's everything it's still there somehow it's not like one has completely cleared the other there's everything still there and like this kind of mosaic of different times and different things this city has been through and what has survived and what hasn't I just love it And uh, this reminds me that at the moment I'm reading a book which I really like. It's called uh, City of Gins, A Year in Delhi, written by William Dalrymple. And uh, he usually writes more historic books, like about the Mughals, or mostly they are uh, about Delhi or India, but more historic. But in this book, uh, this one is more personal. Like he talks about how he came to Delhi, how he discovered it, how he saw it, the research he did in Delhi. And uh, for some reason, I feel like he loves Delhi in a very similar way, like how I love it. And that's so nice to read. And especially because he arrived in Delhi, like in the 1984. So the Delhi he knows and the Delhi he talks about is so different than the Delhi I know today. So, of course, he talks a lot about the historic Delhi even before his time. So that is interesting. Then he talks about his time and also how it had changed in the many years he had been living there. And then, uh, of course, in my head, I add the Delhi how I know it today. And I know all the places he describes. And he has a very interesting way. He writes like in small in small bits and pieces, like there are very funny stories, very funny incidents that happened to him. Then again, some historic things, something about architecture, this and that. It's like a collage of a lot of things. And I really love uh, reading it. And yeah, it's so nice to read from someone from another time who loves the city you love. I love it. I highly recommend the book if you want to know more about Delhi. Then, especially also because of the accident, like I had to relax a bit in the in these weeks because I couldn't walk around too much, and I, yeah, my body was still needed a bit of rest. So, I spent a lot of time with friends, and especially at the university, did a lot of just hanging out uh, in these small little hostel rooms and cooking together, hanging out together, having academic, philosophical, nonsense debates together, playing chess, cooking together. And all of this always happens in these small hostel rooms. And everybody has so much time at their hands, like at least students do. And that's also something I'm not very used to from at home. Like I forgot how it feels and this just hanging around and endless talking. It doesn't need to make sense. It can just be talking for the sake of talking, debating for the sake of debating Yeah, it's it's very beautiful. And I feel it's also very different because at home in my university, we don't have a campus, so we don't live together. Everyone comes and goes and you actually don't spend a lot of time together. And here it's so different since most people are living in hostels in the campus, like you get a lot closer and you are around each other for like, yeah, for a lot of time. And uh, yeah, so it was really nice to be like, to be in this kind of way of living again for a bit, which I had lived while I was there in that one year. 
and uh, yeah when you're like sitting together and cooking together smoking up together then uh, always a lot of interesting conversations come up and uh, one conversation I had to laugh about was uh, we were talking about hygiene and somehow <laughs> one friend of mine was like oh god you westerners why can you not like you have such weird ideas about hygiene why do you not wash your hands before you eat food and uh, I was like what and um, but in a way then I thought about it and I think it's true so somehow in India wherever when you go to a restaurant the first people do is go and wash their hands and then they eat food and then again they wash their hands also at home and everywhere this washing of hands is so ingrained and no matter if you eat with your hands or if you eat with spoon, because in India both can be possible. And if you eat with your hands, it's kind of more logical to me. But somehow for us, of course, as children, I think we, most of us were forced to wash our hands also. But somehow over the years, it's not the first thing I do in a restaurant because I feel my hands are dirty because I traveled all the way to the restaurant. It's not at home. I don't necessarily do this all the time. Maybe because I eat with knife and fork, but still. And like for them, it's like, oh God, why do you not wash your hands? And I just realize it's not that ingrained in us as it is in them. And yeah, that's like, I found that very interesting. And another thing was like, uh, there's so many, I think every country has like different beliefs of what you have to do when you're sick. And uh, one friend told me like, you guys are so weird. Like why? how can you believe that eating bread is a good thing when you are sick? And I was like, yeah, but I don't know. Somehow I feel like that's a good thing, easy to digest and all. And uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I had to laugh a lot when he said that because in India, people, when they're sick, they eat curd rice. So rice and some kind of, it's a bit like yogurt curd. It's like some dairy product mixed with it or they eat kitchari like, rice and uh, lentils which are really cooked together and really kind of a little bit overcooked and uh, yeah it's true we would probably eat bread maybe rice maybe some fruits but like how these kind of ideas are so different I I love these small little things also it reminds me that when I went to get my nose pierced in India like after I had it pierced I was expecting them to give me some tell me how I should take care of it and all and they said okay don't eat corn and don't eat chickpeas and I was like what why and they were like yeah it can give it can some balls under your skin can start to exist and if they if this happens around your piercing it's dangerous and I was like wow I've never heard that and then I asked them like but how can I disinfect the piercing and they were like oh just use coconut oil and uh because I expected them to give me some inseptic spray or something the way they did it when I did my piercing in Switzerland and it was just so funny for me so interesting how it works so different and of course, in all of these moments when we're hanging out in rooms, I love to make fun of my Indian friends because of the belief that coconut oil heals everything. Like whatever problem you have, I'm sure 50% of the time coconut oil is the solution. <laughs> and yeah, I still do find that funny. Then I want to talk a bit about... Uh, the people who listen to my podcast so I'm really happy because a lot of people are listening to it and giving feedback and 
I'm so happy. It makes me want to podcast even more. So that's a good thing. And what I really love is like where people listen to the podcast. So a lot of people <laughs> seem to listen to the podcast when they are like, when they are taking a bath and like lying in a bathtub. Or what I really like, one friend listens to it on the horse sometimes. Another friend told me this really sweet story that she was like uh, in, she was like, walking around in the train station listening to the podcast and then from far away she, she spotted another friend of mine who also was like walking around aimlessly and had headphones in and she was like oh my god maybe she was also listening to the podcast and see how the podcast connects us all and I liked the way she said that like really cute and I yeah I'm really happy especially about all the feedback and the voice messages and all I got like it really makes me feel like we're in a dialogue and Yeah, thank you so much for this. I'm really happy. And yeah, then the other day something really cool happened. So I wanted to meet up with a friend of mine and she's a very interesting person I admire a lot. Uh, she's a Muslim and I think a kind of upper class Muslim. And uh, we wanted to meet up. Uh, first we thought we we're going to go for a brunch or something. And then she said, you know, there's this Mehendi thing happening Uh, of one of my cousins, why don't you come over? And I was like, yeah, why not? So I went into this neighborhood, into this part of Delhi I've never been, a Muslim neighborhood with like a beautiful mosque close to her house. And uh, yeah, very interesting. I've never been there. And also the house was super big and kind of some of the furniture really reminded me of colonial times and it was very beautiful. And when I got there, like she and all her sisters were already like, getting ready so a mehendi is basically one of the many there are several days and several rituals and events and happenings which belong to a wedding and one day is the mehendi and uh, what exactly it is and what it means for muslim as opposed to hindus i don't know i don't feel like i know enough to say that but there is some mehendi like henna involved some putting henna on people is involved it's yeah it's just part of the celebration so yeah all the sisters got ready the whole family and also like they told me you have to wear uh, yellow or pink that's apparently the colors for the handy and um, then we were wearing these beautiful dresses and suits and uh, of course there was a lot of makeup involved and also I got more makeup on my face than I thought is possible to put on there <laughs> didn't know that you can layer so many different powders and all and I just love to be there like the whole preparation being girly and uh, yeah everyone getting ready and like really when they were like finished with their dressing all of them looked so beautiful like amazing dresses matching bags and glasses and shoes and beautiful jewelry and just so much makeup and like yeah they looked like stars like really really amazing and uh yeah then we went to the wedding and uh again a rather fancy place like there was some grass there were already so many chairs and tables there was a sound system there was a buffet There was everything like, and, but it was still like being put up when we arrived there around four and so many guests were not there yet. And uh, we, yeah, when we went inside, there were already a lot of other women who were also preparing. And then again, the whole preparing started again. And my friend was really good with makeup. So she was like putting makeup on all different, helping a lot of people 
to put their makeup on, especially a lot of older women. And I also liked it how she like did their makeup and all. And yeah, it was like, again, so girly and like interesting. And there was like this round window, which, and they were most of the time there because the light was really good. And in that light, they looked like, yeah, it looked like some scenes from, from an old, old painting or something. It looked like so beautiful. And, uh, Yeah, also interesting, like one of the older ladies, she was like, oh, I would love to have your hair. And I found it interesting how she said that because I feel like all the women in Switzerland, they wouldn't say such things anymore. It seems too girly in a way. And I kind of liked it that she said that. And yeah, we had a few conversations and everyone got ready. And then uh, there is a lot of sitting around that wedding, sitting around and eating pakora and drinking chai and <laughs> just sitting And uh, somehow that's an aspect of weddings I don't like so much because you spend so much time and looking beautiful, but then just for a few hours and then you're mostly just sitting there looking good. And uh, it's a little bit too much of performance for my taste usually, but uh, definitely interesting. And yeah, then we talked to a lot of different people and I think it was slightly weird, like who, again, who is this white person who is here who doesn't know anyone? <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I loved the fact that I could be there. And of course, there was a lot of taking pictures and uh, I realized these people are real professionals in posing and all, like it all looked way too good and yeah, posing in all different ways and One thing which I find, but that's again like me being very Swiss here, which is like difficult for me, is uh, the fact there was a maid in the house and she took her. So already in the beginning, right, I am still very bad at decoding who is a maid and who is uh, who belongs to the family. So somehow, yeah, I already was confused there. But then I realized that she's not changing and she's not putting on beautiful dresses, but she's still coming with us to the wedding and at that wedding place, She did. Um, she was holding the bags and sunglasses of all the sisters and cousins. She was taking the pictures with the smartphone. And again, that for me is a very strange and difficult thing that someone is there, but worlds are like overlapping and intersecting, but she's still not able to enter this world in the same way. And still to see that, even though I feel like I got Indianized in so many ways, is still very difficult for me and strange somewhere. Or I don't really know how to... Yeah, then how to act around these people. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. But uh, we had a lot of fun, like a lot of just sitting and talking. And uh, then my favorite part came. So usually they come on a lot of North Indian wed weddings. There are like people playing the dhola, like the big drums. And they, yeah, they just come and play. And then you just start dancing around them. And I love that. Like I already had that a couple of times. And uh Um, all of us got up and we were dancing and I don't think that I can do the dancing really well but I just love it <laughs> so and I just copy the move of moves of people and so we did quite some dancing <laughs> in a car with my friend and she dropped me back to a place like she had to go somewhere and she dropped me somewhere where I could take the metro and uh, yeah in the car that was also like a kind of a precious moment like in the car we were both uh, smoking like 
turning down the windows, rushing through the streets of Delhi. And somehow we were talking a lot about men and some things which are difficult about men. And like these moments, both of us smoking and talking and such intimate conversations. And they are, they are so precious to me, especially because I'm so close to like, so it's a close friendship with her and being so close to people from, yeah, in another culture, but discussing these very, I don't know, culture over overlapping topics i i just love it so yeah that was a really beautiful evening actually uh, then by now of course uh, coming home comes kind of closer and uh, yeah i realized that still most of the time i'm kind of thinking in english and not in german so my brain is kind of confused all the time or sometimes i want to use Hindi grammar structure in German in my head suddenly so it's all mixed up and always uh, when I'm coming home I feel I need a little bit of time to kind of change the chip in the sense that for example I feel that in Hindi when I talk to friends like in an informal way there you use a lot of imperative like to tell people do this do that why didn't you do this and also the way people talk it, to each other it's like a lot of not necessarily accusations but it's a lot it's not as polite as swiss german and but i kind of like it like it's totally it's it's part of the way how hindi is spoken at least in delhi i feel and i find it funny and i like it and again the thing with the not saying so much thank you and all but sometimes it's really hard for me to switch when i'm back in switzerland like for example already people have told me like um you're always speaking in imperative, can you please say please sometimes? And I was like, oh, fuck, or like the not saying thank you enough. And it, it's interesting how, even though it's a different language, somehow you take habits over and like now I'm already scared again that will I be able to <laughs> to switch the chip and not make too many of these mistakes? I really hope so. <laughs> yeah, now they're coming back definitely comes closer 